you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast pumps out so much content. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling. It's not the same, is it? It's different. What's up, Greg? I, I thought about, like, should I just, like, should you just go off the top of a totally different start, you know, just, like, blow up the entire machine after six straight years since Dan Hansis is not here today? But, you know, it's, like, only one episode. That's You, you quelled the rash. anarchist in you. Yeah, that's usually what I want uh, to do is just blow things up. But Dan's busy. Dan has his family in town. And uh, as the intro said, we're pumping out a lot of content. We got three shows this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we got the Twitter show on Wednesday. Next week, we've got an insane amount of uh, video shows. So, you know, Dan's got to get ready for that. And uh, the rest of us, we're forging on here. I, I'm not ever – it's not clear to me what um, aspects of Dan's family is coming. Is it his parents, which I believe it to be, or is it Dan's hidden secret family that he occasionally <laughs> references if you get a few drinks in him? It's not the in-laws. I don't know. I'm just saying there's all, there's multiple ways you could go with a Dan family vacation. Mm, yeah, that's true. And he'll never listen to this. So. I haven't even spoken to you guys since uh, Indianapolis. I guess Mark and I texted. I mean, Mark's burning the in- midnight oil. He was in the office on Sunday. How about that? Uh, there was a scheduling tick in my own mind, having forgotten a, something that was due tomorrow that is <laughs> a megaton longer-esque assignment. And so, okay. I'm just I'm impressed. Know. I mean, uh, you're out there. I mean, it's not impressive that I forgot about it. No, and what did you? What have, what have you been up to, Wes? Did some work around the house, fixed up my office. Uh, Lakeisha helped me, of course, and then uh, had a rib cage issue, so I went and got that checked out yesterday. Oh no! Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a little uh, little cartilage issue in my ribs, making sleeping and living difficult. Yikes! You don't want to spend a Sunday at urgent care. No. Is that from stretching or exercise? I'd imagine. Yes, it's exactly what it is. Okay. From way too much exercise. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I'm sure you were just locked in, though, to watching our friend Daniel Jeremiah move the sticks and uh, the NFL scouting combine uh, all weekend. But, you know, in case we missed anything at all later in this show, we have our, our other friend, Roto World's Josh Norris. That's good because I did not watch a single set oh. of the NFL Combine show. <laughs> you know what it does have, and especially with DJ in there, uh, with Rich, is like if I, I don't like watching golf at all. I, it is not something that I do. But occasionally, like on a Sunday, if it's in the background and it's a hushed yeah. golf broadcast, the Combine has that same sort of hushed feel to it where it's very relaxing. It's great to have on in the background. My kids kind of like watching it and they pretend to do the drills and you just like hope sort of that by osmosis some of this information coming at you seeps in so I I had it on plus you know I noticed when like make Mike Mayock was in the booth what that vibe was kind of like I could I felt a little bit of like a Drew Bledsoe 2001 vibe like he was looking at DJ and being like oh I'm not getting this job back oh there's definitely dissension there it's an event that many of my casual football fan friends love to watch it's not an event that I ever need to see a second mm. of on television, for me personally. Well, that's why we have Josh, and he's going to uh, head Sell a, it. a segment that uh, tells us uh, it's combine takeaways we don't have a strong grasp on, but Josh Norris does, so he, he can help us. We also have uh, you know, uh, an interlude, what we're going to call it, a, a new thing we're trying out where we're each going to talk about one sporting event that we've been to in person for exactly one minute. Uh, with the backing music of our choice behind it, I like it. I mean, I feel like this could be this could be a segment here. It doesn't have to be a memorable sporting event. It could be anything. You just like you ever have like a one of those long meals where it's like they. I mean, this is like a fancy fancy boy thing, but a long meal where like in the middle of it, they almost like drop a little palate cleanser in the middle to just kind of like refresh you and get you ready on for the rest of it. That's what that's what this segment is. That's yeah. the role of this segment. All right, I'll that's that. the role of the segment. Not? Uh, let's not waste any more time. Uh, Kent Brown sitting in for Erica Tamposi today. She's under the weather. Kent, let's do a little news. There we go. That's a good ball. Steve, go ahead. Man, we over here trying to make millions of dollars. He over there BSing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you ball so hard. Uh, that was Steve Smith. Ragging on uh, some poor wide Tyree receiver. Jack- quarterback. Tyree Jackson, the That's Buffalo right. quarterback. That's he said right. he was throwing uh, like bullets to the receivers when he should just be leading them in those drills. He wasn't happy about it. Mm. He actually confronted him. He went there during the broadcast and right. talked to Tyree Jackson while he was throwing. That's amazing. I mean, that's why, that's why you love Steve Smith. Whether now or before, like he's going to say what he thinks. They yeah. talked about him being put into the booth like once DJ's yanked out as a general manager, Steve uh, Smith, and he just said, no, I don't want to do that ever. He would like burn every bridge within a year or two, but it would be fantastic to watch. Uh, let's start our news with Antonio Brown, where it seems like we're starting the news quite a bit these days. Ian Rappaport, our NFL Network insider, reported Monday that the Cardinals, Raiders, and Broncos were the teams that were most intrigued by Antonio Brown and the Steelers have a level of confidence that they will be able to trade Brown before March 17th when a $2.5 million roster bonus is in. Mark, are you buying it? Well, I am because I think it's always would have been the the unle- more unlikely scenario that the Steelers just can't find a way to trade maybe a bit of a headache, but one of the most talented receivers of our lifetime, like something, someone somewhere is going to think we can take whatever baggage 
comes with Antonio Brown and make a trade work. I think it just depends. You know, the Raiders, to me, have a lot of ammunition with those second two uh, first-rounders after their number four pick. When I look at this situation, it seems to make sense trade-wise only for a desperate general manager trying to straddle the line between building and contending. Hmm. I don't think you want him on a builder, a rebuilder, where he his mind is up he wants to play for a Super Bowl. And I don't think you want him somebody with a comfortable GM who already thinks he has a Super Bowl contender because then why upset, why upset the locker room or upset what you're doing by bringing in Tony well, Brown? Because he's awesome. Right, but you don't know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who is flying off the handle for two months straight, is not willing to look in the eye and say, I made a mistake. He's not willing to do any of that. When Randy Moss went to New England, that brilliance happened because he had been humbled, he had been humbled by the Oakland years. Without right. the Oakland years, that would have never happened. Antonio Brown is trying to do this without the Oakland years. What about the, do any of those three fit into your – I think the Broncos do. Yeah. John Elway is a desperate general manager trying to straddle that line between building and contending. You do get the feeling John John Elway, yeah, they're they're going for a championship blah blah blah. It's like but something tells me he would just be happy with like a nine any a nine or ten win season where the Broncos get back in the playoffs and lose a game like yeah, that that's why you trade for Joe Flacco. I mean Joe Flacco is not a guy that you're getting to win a Super Bowl. There was quickly a report in Denver that tried to shoot this down. So I don't really know what to believe uh, about these Antonio Brown reports. Mark, you mentioned the Titans have been thrown in the mix, too. The Cardinals and Raiders, though, like, that that smells fun. The Raiders the Raiders have three, you know, first-round picks, and they're going to have some quarterback. They're going to either have Derek Carr or maybe a top-shelf young quarterback, or who knows who they'll have. Like, that is a, a move of, like, we're sick of losing. We want to get back into it right away. I mean, Peter King threw the Redskins in there as well. Think about this, though. If you do have in Arizona suddenly Antonio Brown and David Johnson and potentially Kyler Murray, if it's not Josh Rosen or Josh Rosen and Cliff Kingsbury, that to me is spicy. I don't hate that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Can their offense do anything without an offensive line, though? No, but I mean, here's the thing. Like, it, like the he's not going. I, I don't think they want to trade him inside the AFC North. That's pretty clear. They don't want to trade him to New England. So, how many of teams? Fit the fit the fit the call sheet for him, right? Who really fits? And for the offensive, like I'm convinced, offensive line is more of a function of the coaching staff and then the quarterback than anything in today's NFL. Because you could pick 20 teams, and the Cardinals are among the worst. But you pick 20 teams where the offensive line is a problem. I guess they're hoping that whatever Kingsbury is cooking up schematically is somehow going to cover up whatever their offensive line issues are, and. That's a GM, too. He's the one making the call that's worried, got to be worried about his job. So maybe Antonio Brown is a get get quick, get right, right away type of guy. Well, speaking of the Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald, who spent several years catching passes from the likes of John Skelton, Max Hall, Richard Bartell, John Navarre, and Kevin Cobb. Yikes. Said A.B. doesn't realize how good he's had it with Big Ben. Right. Well, he's right. Yes, I agree. That part of it is absolutely correct. So – We've talked a lot about Antonio Brown this offseason. We've talked a lot about Nick Foles this offseason. And I wanted to throw this into the news that Les Bowen of the Philadelphia Inquirer was one of many over the weekend that said the Jaguars are expected to sign Nick Foles. He said it the strongest. Rappaport, Rap Sheet mentioned it. Mike Garofolo mentioned it. Somehow everyone who was in Indianapolis and talking to people came away saying every this this 
combination falls in the Jaguars that everyone thinks is going to happen, yeah, it is going to happen. Nothing's getting in the way. I'm not sure we needed a report to tell us what we already expected to happen. But I, I, I mean, the report says exactly what we said just, on this podcast. It's just the Jaguars you, are expected to sign him. But it's just inching you closer and closer, and it's I think like it's they different. talk to someone. I think it's different because it's sourced. That they're right. saying a source, and you can connect the dots with Foles because it's coming from the Philadelphia papers, that like, okay, everyone's been speculating about this, but actually there was some pushback in Jacksonville. There wasn't any really hard reporting, Wes. And this, now everyone's just kind of joining in. This is saying, not like, hard yes. reporting. Expected to sign is he's, not hard reporting. He said he's he's expected to sign. Right, which is what source. we've been saying on this podcast. Well, we so I would say we, we sourced it too. I'm the source. I expect him to sign. Well, I, I'm going to put it and say Nick Foles and his people are expecting to sign there. That's a little different. Rap Sheet said he would not rule out the Dolphins, and there is significant interest in Foles around the league. Hmm. I mean, that's because, number one, until it's final, why not allow someone else to come in with a whole different deal? The immediate loser, and not for me because I'm not one of these like NFC East people, but the television, the schedule makers, the primetime matchups that would have had potentially like a New York Giants placed Nick Foles yes. versus Philly, the games that we've talked about the last couple of weeks that would have been front and center on the primetime slate. I'm not giving up on the Giants or even the Raiders or someone surprising getting in. Oh, the I've mix, given up on the Giants. The Giants are with Eli. Seems like it. The Giants don't seem I want a mind. world that like chaos happens and crazy things happen next week. Next week's the week. This isn't the week. Well, I mean, the Giants are, are – they, they make all their decisions based on what will happen to the future Eli Manning statue they're going to build, <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen there. All right, Wes was underwhelmed with that item of news. Can no, I, I just can don't I think interest it's a hard news. You like, expected little, is not hard news. Can I interest you in another piece of expected news, which is that the Chiefs are going to tag D Ford, but here's the unexpected part from Rappaport again, that they will listen to offers for D Ford, that they are kind of putting him on the trade block. What do we think? So this made me think that with Steve Spagnuolo, they're switching to a 4-3 defense. Well, yeah, they announced that. Yeah, right. They are. That, so that's official. D. Ford has been great coming off the edge as an outside linebacker. Right. And a lot of times that skill set transfers to defensive end in a 4-3, but it's not exactly the same. No. And maybe they don't think that D. Ford's going to be quite the terror off the edge if he's playing defensive end. Yeah, I mean, he had... 12 sacks in 2016, but three of his other seasons have two, four, and two sack totals. And he's only graded positively this past season on PFF. And he had a couple years where he was not even on the radar. So long-term commitment. He had a really good season two years ago. That 2016. But I'm wondering if maybe the the idea of a huge long-term financial commitment with a scheme change is put it all together and see what you can get for him. I thought he is a perfect candidate for a tag even before they were changing schemes because of what you just said. I mean, he's had basically two years where he looked like a bust. One year in 2016 where he looked like an all-pro like he did this year for about six or seven games. That was where he filled up that season. Then he got hurt and and was playing through it and didn't really... So he has not been consistent at all. And now the fact that they're listening to the offers makes me think there's a good chance he's going to be traded because they. it makes me think they've decided... Well, we'll pay him this year, but he's probably never going to sign long-term with us with the scheme change, so we might as well listen to see if we can get a a second-round pick for him. And I would think in this market where there's so much money available, some team will will give up a decent pick for D. Ford and sign him to a big contract. I think so, too. And then you have to – they also talked about moving Justin Houston potentially. Well, this was a – in many ways not a good defense last year. Their pass rush was effective, like – 
what what are we replacing these people with? That's a great point because Houston is supposed to get traded or released over the next week. We think that'll happen. We'll have to wait and see on Ford. But while we're talking tags, let's uh, let's do a little tag roundup here. On Monday, we got news of three tags: Jadavian Clowney gonna be tagged, Donovan Smith of the Bucks, their left tackle tagged. And then Demarcus Lawrence, no surprise, they're not going to get a deal done before the tag deadline, which is Tuesday, uh, and he will be tagged as well. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Well, the Lawrence and Clowney tags are no-brainers and were expected to happen. Um, Donovan Smith, has, that name has been bandied about for the last few weeks in Tampa Bay as likely getting the tag. And in this case, I think the franchise tag actually helps the player. He's going to get paid more than he's worth. Right. He's going to make 15 or $16 million. He's one of those guys that PFF thinks is terrible and that his own team. One of those guys that Chris Wessling watches get right. worked over by speed rushers almost every game. I was going to mention, he's one of those rare guys, one of those guys that PFF seems to hate, like he, that he's literally one of the worst starters and that the team is always saying, oh, yeah, we love Donovan Smith. Great. We're going to, you know, he's terrific. But that when you watch the games, it seems like Jameis Winston is always under pressure from people who are going up against Donovan Smith. So I don't know what the Bucks are seeing that we're not. Is it just also because if you <laughs> remove him or he goes somewhere else, you are, you're even that farther up the creek trying to find a left tackle, and they're just not out. I get it, but like last year when I was doing like the cuts list, I was like I wanted to put Donovan Smith on it because he was going to get that fifth-year option, and it seems like he's not you know, very good at professional football. I think, But they, I don't know. They, I do, on some level, still trust like NFL coaching staffs. So it's like they must know something more that he's okay. Yeah, I think that when you look at what their offense has done, the way they've moved the ball, especially between the 20s, I think a lot of teams put a high value on a guy who is decent enough that he won't sabotage the offense single-handedly. And the general manager essentially is bulletproof in Tampa Bay. (laughs) Right. I mean, he can't be for much longer. I don't know. But they did just hire a new coach. Uh, I think they – yeah, Jason Light's got to win sooner than later. I I was thinking with the Demarcus Lawrence tag today – that's no surprise, but what a great uh, 12 months he's had. I went back. You know, I, I do some journal work sometimes. Dan's not the only insider on this podcast, and uh, I wish I could sure? bring, bring it up. I mean, he's the only, like, real insider, uh, like, in terms of media. He's not even a real insider. But uh, <laughs> voice memos that I have on my uh, phone saved. Demarcus. Lawrence from March 13th last year. I, I went back and listened to it because I thought I remembered he said something, which I never ended up writing about. And he said, "They, I'm fine playing under the tag, but I'm going to be more expensive next year than I am this year. So they would be served well by signing me to a contract this summer. He, he had no rancor about it. He just said, I'm going to be more expensive next year than I am right now. I promise you that. And you know what? He is way more expensive now than he was a year ago, not just because he had a great year, but because they're a, a tire fire in that front line with Randy Gregory suspended, David Irving now is suspended. I'm a little disappointed that when you 
pulled out your phone and showed us your messages. He pointed to Demarcus Lawrence. I thought for sure we were getting like Demarcus Lawrence called you personally to clear something no, up. No. And instead, it's like you taped something on TV. I mean, it's interesting that you. No, kept no, that he was too. here. He was here. Oh, he was here. Okay. He was here in the building. One of those like, hey, you want to go talk to Demarcus Lawrence for six minutes while oh, he so eats you, like a sandwich? And I'm like, yeah. Sure. So you did personally speak to him. Yeah. Okay. That's- oh yeah. So that. So do you ever just play those like late at night? To yourself when you can't sleep, Demarcus Lawrence interview segments that you've kept on your phone. Not so much like a when I can't sleep, but just like if I really want to treat myself, like kind of light a candle, <laughs> put some music on, some. I think Greg, es- Greg, like Emica, listen. Essential to this. oils. Here's yeah. your husband talking to a pro football player. <laughs> I think Greg sleeps well. I, I do sleep well. I am a little disturbed though. When I when I was looking for that the other day, I went back and deleted everything. The only things I kept were Demarcus Lawrence. Um, there were a couple things from this last combine I haven't deleted yet. And then uh, an epic performance by Brassy at your house, Chris Wesley. And oh, I was like, yeah. I can't lose that. I don't know what that is, but for some reason I decided to record her. I'd publish it. I have a series of Brassy videos from several nights at my house. Brassy, of course, is the social coordinator of um, our – Entire news operation, I, I would say. She's you know recovering from some um, some sort of hangover, I'm sure. Right, oh, the, I right think now. the Super Bowl um, then right into combine for her were, um, <laughs> from what I gather, there were a lot of high points. But you know potentially you're paying the price. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep those as blackmail. It, it's gonna be okay. Well, that is the relationship that you and she have, so I, I think that's good. I mean, she like we I was having dinner at the combine uh, with a friend, and uh, and then Tiffany Blackman, our friend on the network, sat down with us, and then suddenly uh, some tequila shots are just sent over, and it's like you don't even have to guess who it's from. It's, it's from Shona. Hmm. I would I would have gone with Reggie Bush, but no, he wasn't there. <laughs> Either yeah, one, he wasn't there. All right, let's move on. Uh, Eagles, they're a team that's liking to sign some contracts. A lot of. A lot of contract and salary cap issues these days. They brought back Brandon Graham on a huge deal, three years, $40 million, I think 20-plus in the first couple of years, all guaranteed. They also signed guard Isaac Ciamalo today and to a three-year deal. That was a bit of a surprise. And there's a report that Michael Bennett is on the trade block. Mark, you can take it any direction you want. Graham, Ciamalo, Bennett. It would be surprising if you went Ciamalo, but – Zero. I mean, I'm not going Ciamalo. I think that the Bennett thing is just the natural reverb to giving $13 million a year to Graham, who's 31. Bennett's 33. Bennett costs another $7 million this year. I don't. Is there a team in worse cap hell right now than the Eagles? I believe they're the, they have the least amount of cash at the moment. So they, they got to make moves. They have a lot of things. They just have a million things going on, and they're pretty good at being flexible, but you're right. They are about as tight to the cap and having to make tough choices as any team in the league. Brandon Graham takes one of the better pass rushers off the market. But I think for me, the what surprises me is that over all the coaching changes and scheme changes in Philadelphia for a guy who's never had a double digit sack season, he's a great pass rusher, but most of that is coming on pressure, not sacks. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that he's going to end up playing his entire career with the Eagles. Well, he, you have to be a badass to get that third huge contract. To get the the he signed a re, when he signed that first five year deal, I believe it was with the Eagles at the end of his rookie contract. People were like, "Oh, really? You think Brandon Graham is that good that you're going to give him a five year, fifty five million dollar contract?" He made it to the end. That like never happens in the NFL. So they evaluated him well. And you're right; it's kind of a a score for the pressure is almost as valuable as sacks 
and hits kind of brigade. And I think that brigade, I'm just saying like, that's more valued. Now they're a very analytics heavy type of organization. And I think they think he's a badass. And it's, it's a guy that kind of like Everson Griffin is very similar in my mind in Minnesota, just the kind of career he's had where it's like nationally, not that well known, but the team that has him thinks he's a superstar. He's also etched into like Philadelphia lore for the strip sack that helped win the Super Bowl. And you know, I mean, Michael Bennett, Bennett, Michael Bennett was not, Right, that's so. fair. That's a good point. And seems like a great guy, like very well known in the community and the locker room and all that sort of stuff. Well, the guy we're going to have on later, Josh Norris from Roto World, has often said one of his biggest truisms, disruption is production. Whoa, that's a catchphrase. I mean, that's how you step on a lot of people at the Roto World offices and become <laughs> one of the the real big stars. I mean, Nor- it, you think Norris has gotten to where he is without a little – Bloodless coup. Without I mean, it's probably like some sort of some alleyway showdown with, you know, Evan Silva, which would not be an easy takedown. We, Evan we Silva saw said. Evan Silva, the big fish, by the way, in Indianapolis. Did you know this, Mark? He did, he, he actually messaged me okay. soon after and said, sorry that you were not there. I did not go out the final night. We saw the big fish at St. Elmo's, the famous steakhouse that every uh, sports writer talks about. And uh, people were blown away. Dan was just like, I didn't, you know, wasn't really ready for the size and the stature that Silva's bringing to the table. I mean, Silva's like, Silva's like Jason Peters or something. I mean, you're over Kevin Patras' build, (laughs) Wes. You've you've for a long time knocked that down. Well, this is different. This is like Silva's. This is like a big boy. This is like an NFL left tackle size. Patra, you know, is in fine shape and always has been. I never would have looked at him as sort of like a paragon (laughs) of male. Body type, it's always in fine shape. Let's be real. It's always annoyed you a little bit how much credit Patra got for his body. And even back in the day, you almost were annoyed that he got the credit over – like he's like, I have that body now. No, no, no. I never thought that I deserved credit for my body. I never thought that at all. Now how are you feeling about it? Uh, (laughs) Now it's time for some credit. I did not feel like my body is in great shape. I'll put it that way. All right. We are almost uh, to some combine rumors we aren't buying. Another another little like mini seg we're throwing in here. But uh, finally, Jamie Collins expected to be cut or traded soon. Uh, How how would you uh, remember the Jamie Collins era, Mark Sessler? Very underwhelming. And I thought it was – they got him for a relatively low – um, acceptable draft pick, and then I think in one of these sort of confirming your own move, turn around and overpaid him, but they had a ton of cap space, and they almost were at that place where they needed to reach the cap floor, and they had no names on their defense, and I thought they probably felt like it was the first step towards building that side of the ball, and there have been, the thing that I kind of remember most are these sort of whispering jabs at him where you can't tell exactly where it's coming from, but people aren't happy with the effort, they aren't quite happy with the effort on game day or not on game day, and I don't feel like he fits into where they're going. And they definitely need need help at linebacker, but he's. I don't think they're going to re up with him. That would be surprising to me. I, this is one of those I usually at this point would expect a guy to get traded, like Michael Bennett. He's due six million this year. I think they could find someone to at least do a pick swap for that. Why not? He's still pretty good. But Jamie Collins making ten million. No, I don't think anyone wants to deal with that. I think he's. I mean, it was the Patriots who were listed as a team that were open to potentially trading for him last season. Right, and I think they would probably take Jamie Collins back. But why? Why start at a twenty-two million dollar two-year contract? I just don't think he has that sort of like value at at this point. Uh, Finally, uh, an idea Wes had here: combine rumors. He's not buying. What is uh, the combine rumor that's grinding your gears? 
Well, it started – this wasn't really a rumor. Someone asked Kurt Warner what he would give up for Josh Rosen. He said a third-round pick. And then Peter King interviewed another NFL executive who said Cardinals shouldn't expect to get more than a third-round pick for him. And I think this is insane. I think that's crazy for many reasons, not least of which is the Cardinals have already paid 65% of what his rookie deal will be for four years. They've already paid most of it with upfront right. money. He's only going to count $2 million against your cap every year for the next three years. And you're telling me the teams like the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins who need quarterbacks – are saying, or even the Patriots who need a successor, top, successor for Tom Brady, are saying, no, I won't go above the, like the ninety-something pick in the draft for Josh Rosen. I just don't believe that for a second. I mean, it, it depends what the team is and it, who's drafting him. With everyone knowing he's just going to be a long-term backup, like you're drafting him to be a starter. If it's the Redskins, who, may, who would make some sense? You can't, you can't tr- possibly tell me that you're going to get an Arizona to accept. Nothing more than a third-round pick for that when you when he is going to be your plug-and-play, low-cost starter. Well, that, yeah, and Peter King, you talked to I think two front office guys, and okay, those guys don't want to give up a third-round pick. That's fine. It only takes one team. You know what I mean? I don't I don't get that at all. Like these, it also depends what front offices those. You were. also hear all the time GMs who sign guys in free agency, and I think Dante Fowler is a, is a good uh, case study for this year. Well, we had him ranked really high coming out of college. You always hear this about first-round picks that right. and get to free agency and aren't playing that well. Well, we really loved his college tape, and we loved him, and that's – it's like, what, there's not a, a bunch of teams out there that didn't love Josh Rosen's college tape and wouldn't give it up? I would I would, uh, I would, would remain a Patriots fan if, if uh, they go pick up Josh Wait, Rosen. what does this mean? You're I'm thinking about checking out as soon as Belichick and Brady are gone. Well, you know that Brady, I'll oh, I'll stick it correct. I'll stick it out for Belichick, but I think I might retire with Bill. I mean, how could you top that? It's just like, it's just like uh, you just lived through the best. Why even bother? Oh, after that's because that? that's not be- the definition of a fan is to jump ship the minute things. I won't. Right. I won't you jump summer ship. soldier. You sunshine patriot. Oh, what are you doing? You 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 gave up on the on the Bengals. I did not give up on them. They gave up on me. That's a big Here's difference. the thing. I just think mentally it's possible that they just become like 1A of all the other teams, but it's just like not the same. It is know? crazy where we even were two weeks ago with this Josh Rosen story where it was like <laughs> largely unbelievable that this would even happen, and now it just seems like a foregone conclusion that the Cardinals have enough people I mean, that's inside. changed even since we last I, talked on Thursday. So yep. since then, okay, Kim Jones said the expectation – at this point around the league, is that the Cardinals will take Kyler Murray. That's what everyone thinks. I also don't believe this either. I don't believe the Cardinals have finished their due diligence That's what made D- up their mind. And a bunch of people like DJ and all these people are saying, that's what everyone thinks. But no one really knows. That's just like, that's not really news necessarily. It's just what everyone thinks, the Cardinals. And then possibly the, the Raiders are thinking as well. People, you know, there was a quote that Gruden's not much of a poker player. Uh, in that it's kind of obvious how much they like Kyler Murray as well. If he, but I think before, you know, he two weeks ago he's being mocked to go to the Redskins at 15 or falling out of the top 20 and stuff. Now it's like, no, this guy, like every single year, a couple quarterbacks are going to go way higher than people thought initially. And Kyler Murray has multiple NFL coaches super intrigued. And I, yeah, and I'm with you, Wes, by the way. I don't buy that for a second. Rosen's 21, 22 now. I mean, he came into the league young. His tape is not nearly as bad as everyone thinks. I, I promise you, he's, he did more as a rookie than guys like, 
you know, Goff or Trubisky did in, in similar situations. I saw enough where I was like, okay, I saw some good things. I'm still on the Josh Rosen train. So a lot of people who went um, broke trying to guess how good of a gambler other people are. Mm. I'm not that confident in anybody's ability to read a gambler. Mm. Mm. Well, gambler. What, what makes you an expert on reading John Gruden's – not you, but like right. anyone. What makes you an expert in reading John Gruden's gambling – and what makes you think that you're good enough to read it? Right. I think and that like, he's not just already broken you. I think literal professional gamblers like are probably good at that skill, but <laughs> I don't think that's who we're talking about here. Right. I think there are a few people on earth who are really good at that. But like, you're not a fan of the Combine, Wes, and the Combine essentially is like one massive hot stove league session where whispers and rumors and generated news reports are what this part of the football season is about. I think it makes for a great quote for someone to say, John Gruden's a bad poker player. I just don't have any confidence in that person's ability to mm. read John Gruden's poker play. I'm with you. But you I know, mean, a year ago, we thought the entire Raiders offense was going to run eternally through Amari Cooper. So he's abil- <laughs> he has an ability to <laughs> spin great, yarns that we fall that's for. A, that's a great point. Uh, you know who's a great poker player we found out this week? John Gonzalez. Colleen Wolf's uh, husband was once almost a professional poker player. Mm. I mean, he, he certainly was, seems to have the was, free time. He was on like the early, <laughs> early auspices of kind of like the poker professionalism going around. That's like, can't you just uh, imagine him with his like hat pulled down low at a, at a poker table, like a taking people's money? Man I of, can. Man of many talents. That was a low point in sports television when like every third sports network had like eight jabronis sitting around a table playing poker for four hours. It was I a, hated it, every minute of it. It was a mania, and it was exciting. It was it was a, an <laughs> interesting time. I'm not it's into, like Greg's youth. No, I never I never went was into poker. But when Roto World was started, way back in the day when we were building a brick by brick, this is even pre-Wesseling, it was all it was like thirty people all in about three rooms. Minimum twenty four of them were betting on poker to an insane degree. And most of them seem to be making money from it, including the people who like owned the, this company. People were like losing their minds, just playing online poker all day, every day. And like just stealing money from some, you know, poor schlub in Nebraska who's signing on for this. It was, it was the heyday. It was a dark time. And I believe <laughs> they I believe all seem to be having fun though. I liked like the spirit of it. I wasn't into, I didn't know how to do poker i think it's accurate that i would never would have moved to tybee island if not for the poker craze that swept the nation between poker and at the same time when mma is becoming really big and all of my softball buddies just wanted to sit around watching mma and playing poker and you i was like out. i gotta leave this city yeah <laughs> there is nothing here for me i mean there were some roto there were some like christmas christmases where it, you know there were rumors where the roto world was having a little trouble paying uh the payroll so as far as I'm concerned, poker might have saved us. Sounds like a toxic environment. You know, it might have saved, it might have been the only way that they were still making money, paying us. And he, now look at it today. Is there any other combine rumors we were buying? That was pretty much mine. So, I'll well, the only that. other one that I thought was absurd, just because everyone attached to the Redskins is fighting for their job right now, and I like Colt McCoy, the person. I named my son Colt after Colt McCoy the day that he was essentially replaced by Brandon Weed and being drafted in the first round. But the idea that there talking up Colt McCoy as the starter, to me that's all that says is if all our other plans don't work, then we have it on paper that we're excited about Colt McCoy. That cannot honestly be where this team is coming from holistically to fix their quarterback situation. It's just, hey, we said it. If, it, if this is what we wind up with, we told you all along we were excited about this. That to me is just not a rumor. It's just like a, it's good, it's good uh, housekeeping. 
Well, I do believe that Jay Gruden thinks more highly of Colt McCoy than anyone else in the NFL thinks of Colt McCoy. Mm. But I also think you cannot you cannot have followed this guy's career and believe that he's going to stay healthy for more than two or three games. He's coming off a broken leg. He's right. always coming off of something because he always gets hurt. Right. I, di- I dig him, but he's like he's been in the perfect position as a backup that Absolutely. you hope to use a game a year at most. I, there's like no doubt to me that he's going to be Jay Gruden's quarterback coach on the 2020 you know, six. What team is Jay Gruden? Bengals, coach? not Reds. Bengals, yes. Yeah. That it would be the Bengals or or the offensive coordinator. He's getting paid Colt McCoy, by the way, uh, three point six million dollars. So that kind of or no, three point three million dollars. That that shows what they think of him. They think he's a backup. They yeah. think he's the best backup in the NFL or one of the best. That's what it is, and I think that's fair. That, he's a really I think good he's, backup, and he fits Jay Gruden and all that. But then, but don't uh, don't conflate it into he's suddenly our starter. Okay, so that's you know the news. And a lot of chunky content there. A lot of um, a lot to digest, frankly. And uh, before we get to some more real like nuts and bolts, meat and potato, football, we're just gonna have a little bit of a palate cleanser, and uh, something that really doesn't have a name to it, but it's just uh, one minute of talking about a memorable sporting event that we witnessed with the backing music. Of our choice, and and since this was my idea, uh, I'll just I'll I can start. Take it, it off, uh, Kent. You ready? Let's do it. I haven't heard this yet. Oh, that's nice. All right, I'm gonna go 1988, Foxborough Stadium, Sullivan Stadium, they would call it. Doug Flutie, New England Patriots, gets the ball in the red zone late. Just fell down about four points to a rookie Chris Chandler of the Indianapolis Colts. Doug Flutie comes in. Gosh, who who was he replacing? A, a total a total bum. He comes in off the bench to replace Gus Ramsey. A total bum. <laughs> Leads them to victory on a bootleg. The, the moment everyone in Boston was waiting for Flutie to become the Patriots head coach. And that place celebrated like it was a Super Bowl. And I always remember that game. It's one of the only Patriots games I've ever been to as a kid. We didn't go off. And that seemingly meaningless wins to get to two and three in a lost season can mean so much to fans in the NFL because that game meant so much to me. We, we ate off that game for about five years. <laughs> I love that music. That was a good music choice. That minute snuck up quickly. but That's good. good to know. Yeah, it was good. But, I mean, uh, it's like, thanks, Tom. Tom Rosenthal, not a huge football guy. More more baseball, basketball but we we loved uh, I loved football and brought me to that and it's like any I, wait I'm I'm going over my minute here I'm still talking no that's all right sometimes it has to be unpacked further all right Mark let's go next all right so I have seen Michael Jordan play live I've been to multiple Super Bowl guys Super Bowls with you guys which I I mean honestly those are the incredible moments when I really was thinking about one sporting event that changed my life when I was in Ithaca College in 1993 I had a sort of a um, a humorous, roundish uh, guy that lived next door to me who was like trying to graduate early, but he needed to pass this fencing class. He was in fencing. And so it was a fencing final where we were going to, I was going to go watch him in this tournament. <laughs> the final was a tournament and you had to come in like top, top up to get a good grade. Otherwise you're in trouble. 
We went out to eat lunch, and he got on this long, wandering story about this girl he liked on the third floor, this un totally unimpressive girl. And I was trying to talk him off the ledge, but here we go. There's only 18 more seconds. He went to the he went to the fencing class late, and the teacher's like, "You're out. You get an F. You can't be late." Oh no! And he said, "You know what? Forget the F. I'll take the F, but I'm gonna do the tournament." And he knocked out this girl in the first round, blew up some long-haired dude in the second round, got to the finals and lost. But she basically said, "You know what? I love the effort. You get a B minus." So he saved his grade, and to me, that was one of the things where you could just mope and leave and wander home. Life said, lesson. I'm doing it. I'm fighting this tournament, and he destroyed these people. I love Life it. lesson. This, um, is why, this is why I'm glad I left it wide open. It didn't have to be the greatest sporting event you ever went. It's just something memorable. Love to came on, back from the brink. Nobody on earth could have predicted that you were going to go down that avenue. <laughs> no one, no one I thought. Well, you, you gave me a heads up yesterday, so I thought long and hard on a Sunday, Greg, about <laughs> no, that. No one, no one saw fencing coming. All right, Wes. We're going back. You're up. Same year as you, Greg. 1988. The Reds have a pitching prospect. Frustrating but talented. 6'5", 240. He looked like a combination of Ralph Mouth from the Happy Days and Frankenstein. He had red, wavy hair. It was receding. And he was an ugly dude. Pete Rose had nicknamed him the True Creature. We just called him the Creature as kids. We're at this game because it's the Cliff Kid Glove game in Cincinnati. The one game a year that all the Little Leaguers get to go to. Mm. This guy is one pitch away from a perfect game Ugh. in the ninth inning. Two outs, two strikes. Wallace Johnson of the Montreal Expos serves a soft liner into left field, breaks up the perfect game, and Rock Reigns hits a two-run homer now. Ugh. Ron Robinson, the creature, doesn't even get to finish the game. John Franco has to come in for the save. Robinson gets traded two years later, two months before the Reds win their, their last World Series that they've ever won. So this song is supposed to be some takeoff on Shattered Dreams by Johnny H. Jazz. <laughs> okay. Remember Johnny H. Jazz, the one-hit wonder? Shattered Dreams in 1988 for the creature. Uh, well, you guys did a much better job than I did. Well, I, I thought they were all good. They, that was fun. That minute is – that thing was It was quick. quickly. Well, what was your kind of musical inspiration, Mark? Because I loved it, and it was Well, I know, I know that our, like, our library is a wild card, but I sort of wanted – like medieval um, into like gallants, like a sword fight type thing. I think you did a nice job, Ken. No, I thought it was really yeah. good. It was like firing me up. I mean, I blew it. It was Tom Ramsey, by the way. Shattered Dreams. Tom Ramsey was the quarterback who was the replacement for Steve Grogan. I mean, what? You couldn't make Flutie the backup? He was a third stringer? Give me a break. Yeah, whenever you search yeah. like swords or swords fights, it's just a lot of like metallic clanging. And I figured the medieval stuff worked a little no, bit. Thank was, you. That, Thank was, you Ken. that was beautiful. Those were some interesting stories. I have yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> I think we can do it again. I mean, it doesn't need to be a sporting event. It could be one minute on anything. As it happens, in May of 88, while that game was going on, Shattered Dreams was climbing the U.S. Wow. It was, uh, it was kismet. All right. Also uh, kismet, Josh Norris. He's been watching the Combine for how many days has it been? Probably about 96 hours straight because that's just like what he does. They have, they have podcasts literally every day during mm -hmm. the Combine at Roto World. He's pumping out content. Uh, the Big Fish is now kind of taking it easy during the Combine. He's making Josh do all the work. Breaking news. Oh, we got a little breaking news. Add another franchise tag to the mix. Multiple national reporters are reporting that Frank Clark okay. is getting the franchise tag from the Seattle Seahawks. Ouch. Okay. Well, I mean, Pete Carroll over and over and over said he is not leaving the building. Yeah. Yes. Basically, all those guys on our top 101 list at the top that we thought were going to get tagged have. Tom Pelissero and Peter Schrager have confirmed expected to use the franchise tag. So uh, Landon Collins, to me, is the only real wild card right now that we don't know 
which way it's going to go. At this point, I'd be very surprised if Trey Flowers did get the tag, even though I would support it and think it's a good move. It seems like no one uh, believes that's going to happen. So Landon Collins seems to be kind of the one guy everyone's waiting for. We'll find that out later in the week. But before waiting any longer, you know, I gave him the big preamble. Let's uh, get to Josh Norris. Hello? Josh, what's going on? Yes. I mean, we're, you, man? I'm doing great. We're on. You are on with the Around the NFL podcast. I think we're just going to jump right into it. I don't need to give the, the flowery uh, preamble any longer. <laughs> I already talked you up enough how you've uh, stepped Uh-oh. over so many people at Roto World to get to the position uh, that you're in and then now trying to push Evan Silva aside. Uh, you know, I admire the hustle. <laughs> Hopefully, guys, this doesn't turn into something like where my parents call me at 9.30 p.m. asking me how to work their uh, remote control for their television. I'm excited to talk athletic testing with you. Wow. Well, what does that mean? That that they're going to try to listen to this podcast? I don't I don't quite follow. No, no. As in they don't understand, you know, updated modern technology. Oh, and we don't. And you're saying we as simpletons <laughs> don't understand what's going on with the test. No, you're pretty much right. I mean, the, the title of this segment is Combine Takeaways. We don't have a strong grasp on, but Josh Norris does. You're with you're, you're with Chris Wesseling and Mark Sessler as well. Hey Josh, hey Josh, my what, favorite trio. I was just telling all of our listeners that disruption equals production. Is I that a Josh that. Norris original? It is. I, it was from a Jadeveon Clowney uh, article back in the day, um, mm. back when you know he was getting knocked for his sacks, and I'm sure you guys talk about that all the time. How sacks really aren't the end all be all, but. We were talking um, about Brandon, Brandon Graham's new deal, that he's a disruption equals production guy. There we go. And back at South Carolina with Clowney, like, he was the only one getting four yards in the backfield, mm. and the quarterback could just move around and avoid his, his line to the quarterback. So that's where disruption equals production came. Wow. It's great to get the uh, etymology here from, there you go. from the uh, creator himself. Yeah, I don't know what you exactly think we're going to talk about here, Josh, because I did ask you – you know, hey, is there any names you want you want to talk about? Um, you know, before the show, <laughs> and then you sent me like a four part uh, breakdown of why you the the measurements that you use are superior to the ones that are often talked about. And frankly, it went over my head. I just kind of wanted to hear like who okay. did well at the combine <laughs> or not. Like pretend like you're speaking to you know, total simpletons. I just want to know, like, oh, is... Well, Rash- don't pretend. Like Rashawn Gary. Like, uh, what do you think about Rashawn Gary? You know, aren't you a little well, worried well, uh, he didn't director, produce it all after watching? There, there's only a handful of times in my life I'll be able to talk to the heroes. So I thought I would try to put my best step forward, my best foot forward, and and, and do my best in this regard. So, Okay. I, well, you're off to a great start. Can I ask about some well, specific look, I, guys? I, I, I think that I think the best way to start this conversation, if I can kind of take control here, Greg, is, please go for is, it, is to kind of explain why, in my opinion, the combine matters and like why athletic mm. testing matters. Okay, because back in before like 2015, I, I didn't think it mattered at all. Um, but th- because it, it's kind of how the combine is is broadcast in some ways, where for four days, it's, you know, 40-yard dashes and their position drills, right? So we all kind of equate athleticism to a 40-yard dash when really there's six or seven other tests that can be factored into someone's athletic profile, right? And then combine that with weight because there's a major difference in, you know, a 184-pound receiver running a 445 versus a 225-pound receiver running a 445, right? Right. Um, kind of gives you a, a composite score. And that composite score allows you to 
compare across decades um, and across players at the same position as well. So who, like, who stuck out to you? Who is like towards the top of the draft? For instance, it, to, to use your example, actually, DK Metcalf. Yeah, everyone was talking yeah. about his performance this weekend. But then I saw like a note about how his three cone drill was actually worse than Tom Brady's three cone drill. That here is the most athletic, amazing freak you've ever seen. But actually, in this right. in this measurement, he was worse than two thousand. Tom Brady. So like, wh- how, what do you, how do you put that all together? What's your takeaway from all that? Yeah. And let me first say that at least for me, evaluate, like watching games is the most important piece of evaluations. But if we can just like add tools to the toolbox here to hopefully improve evaluations and hit on players at multiple days of the draft, like that's the only goal here with DK Metcalf. It's interesting. Cause you mentioned it like his 40 was outstanding. His jumps were amazing at 40 and a half inch vert over 11 foot broad jump um, at 228 pounds. But then like his three cone was in like the fifth percentile Mm. and his short shuttle was in like the third percentile. Um, If we can go back and kind of look at players that were somewhat similar in that regard, um, a Stephen Hill pops out, a Greg Childs pops out. Um, I'm not necessarily going to put Kevin White in that regard, but if you go back and look at Ole Miss, um, it was a somewhat similar offense that Kevin White ran back at West Virginia, whereas he was locked into one side of the field. Everything was run on that kind of linear plane, straight lines, and then outside breaking routes off of that. And so it's not that type of offense where you see him run all the routes, mm. do everything across the formation, uh, line up in different areas of the field. And so that would give you pause. But obviously, Mark just threw up in his mouth important. a little bit. I mean, but he has huge <laughs> muscles. So can we just sort of wipe all this away and just someone draft him at like 13? Wasn't Childs well, I, the guy I, I who do... tore both Portella tendons? Well, yeah, I, I do. I do think it is important to note here, though, that like athletic testing can also um, help you determine if what you saw in games is actually something that actually exists. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but my eyes lie to me at points. Um, like going back to Jarvis Jones, for example. Mine are okay? right all the time, we know, actually. Yeah, we know, we know that Jarvis Jones led the SEC in sacks during his final year at Georgia. I mean, he was an outstanding player there, right? Former Steelers um, first-round pick. There, there we go. And actually, when he went through his athletic testing, Jarvis Jones tested like the worst first-round pick of all time, okay, since this has been tracked. Um, like in the bottom 10th percentile, okay? And as we have known and seen, Jarvis Jones didn't have a very long career. So just because the production was there, part of that, and especially with those edge rushers and defensive linemen, like to me, that's where athleticism is most significant, right? Like it's one of the true one-on-one matchups on the NFL playing field. And so at the very least, in its simplest form, wouldn't athletic advantage give you a step up on your opponent? And Jarvis Jones wasn't even average in that regard. And average is fine. He was well below average. And in many ways, staying away from non-NFL caliber athletes, it's how we should use athletic testing. Let me ask you the flip side of this. So guys like Montez Sweat, who just had one of the best combines ever for a defensive end slash edge rusher, and Rashawn Gary, who had a, a very good combine, both are being sort of criticized for not being quite as good on the field or for having game tape. Right. I know Sweat, I believe, was ranked in the like the '80s by PFF. Um, where would where would these guys fall for you? Do you like, do you have faith in them? Yes, uh, and my bias again, as I mentioned, towards edge rushers, interior defensive linemen, 
with athleticism. I think maybe the best example in previous years was Danell Hunter. And I think part of it um, kind of comes down to the type of coaching they get once they reach the NFL. Hunter was an absolute awful pass rusher in college at LSU. He's a great run defender when he goes and is one of the best athletes in his class and drafted in the third round and has become one of the best edge rushers in the league, in my opinion. Um, do I think that Rashawn Gary and Montez Sweat have that potential? Sure. A big part of that is obviously the system and, and situation that they land in. But with Sweat, he's someone that can get up the field in a hurry. Um, I mean, that, that obviously matches his athletic testing. His first two or three steps are, are outstanding. And when you, know, when you face those heavy-footed offensive tackles, it can be fairly easy to run uh, past them. Now, does he have that bend like Von Miller? No. But again, if, if I'm trying to invest in a first-round edge rusher or a first-round interior defensive lineman, the goal is get after the quarterback and win a one-on-one matchup, yeah, I would absolutely love to, them to have a superior, and in these cases, the 90th, 94th percentile of athletic profile. Is there a – like, can I just shift to quarterbacks for a second? Because yeah. I really don't have – I'm not able to uh... – do much more at the combine than like hopefully see the quarterbacks for a couple seconds. The rest of it is just a white haze, and then I catch up with it later. But um, when it comes to outside of the Kyler Murray, is there a quarterback that's caught your eye that you feel like is going to be someone that could surprise everyone, or is that not the case? Which is fine, also. Well, as we know, like if a quarterback gets taken outside of round one, there's really very little hope for them in general. Um, mm. I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah, no, I mean, Greg? it's not. You can point to various little. I, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it's the exception right. rather than the rule. That, that's fair. Right. But there's exception that yeah. proves the rule. There's plenty of decent second and thirds out there. I mean, they're out. Not there. really. Like there have been throughout history. Hey, but, Russell Wilson. But currently, I'm counting like Andy Dalton to me is a draft hit. If you got a fran- if you got a guy who starts that many games in the second round, or Kaepernick for that. Re- I mean, unless you're a Bengals one. fan, but yeah, you know what I'm saying though. Like those guys matter, and those are, those aren't those weren't first round picks. But I hear you, especially in today's NFL, it doesn't seem to happen too often. Right, it kind of Garoppolo. Story though, if, if if you want if you want to stay in those situations, right, and like don't want to improve off of them. Right. Um. Now, with that said, I will go to someone that is not going to be taken in the first round. Um. And I'll go to Easton Stick out of North Dakota State. Um. We all know that that's the system that Carson Wentz came out of, and. Easton ran the exact same one, so if you go great name went and and yeah right should be a hockey player named um, after a baseball we'll, bat he is there you go and if you have watched Wentz back in his college days you saw everything was under center a lot of things out of shotgun off play action moving out of structure inside of structure um, Easton Stick could do all of that now he did not have a good East West Shrine week. But to me, like, Stick is someone – look, if there's, like, a, a Taylor Heineke out there as a backup quarterback in the league, if, like, Alex Tanney is a backup quarterback in the league, it makes no Matt sense that someone like – Yeah, right? Easton Stick should easily be a backup quarterback in the league. Mm. He's a lot of fun to go and watch in those YouTube highlight clips if you want. I like it. I'm all over this Easton Stick uh, <laughs> scenario. I'm going to track this heavily. <laughs> That's, like, the name of Mark's uh, next son. F- finally, Stanley Morgan, Jr., you know, can he live up to the name? That was the name of, like, my fantasy football team for years and years was just, like, Stanley Morgan. So, like, can he live up to that? What are your thoughts? Um, is, is this the wide receiver out of Nebraska? That's right. That's right. His, okay. his dad is, uh, you know, one, one of the great speedsters <laughs> in Patriots history. 
All right, Greg. Uh, I am great <laughs> at knowing what I don't know, and I'm just going to tell you I know very little mm. about Stanley Morgan. Okay. Well, so I didn't make maybe, a big maybe impact. Maybe that's some homework that I can have. He didn't did make a big impact. He did percentile, so you have a very good athlete on your hands there in Stanley Morgan. There's a player I really want to know about. I have a buddy yeah. um, who goes by the name Spice Rack, who is a big college football fan and, you know, fancies himself as a bit of a draft expert himself. And during the season, he told me that I am going to fall in love with Lil Jordan Humphrey okay. out of Texas. He said he's just a big playmaker. This dude ran a four seven five at the Combine. Mm. Please yeah. tell me why my friend talked him up so much, and is he an NFL wide receiver? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, look, he, he didn't fall, even with that four seven five. he didn't fall out into that like non-NFL caliber athlete territory. Um, but if we're talking about players, you get you should get excited about at six foot four, you know, over two hundred pounds. He's certainly not at the top of that list in this group. Like mm. we have a ton of massive wide receivers that are a lot of fun. Instead of wasting your time and watching uh, Lil John Humphrey or whatever his name is, well, Jordan Lil Humphrey. Jordan, which I think is a great name. He's not. Quite I mean, Michael uh, Jordan. He's just Lil. Jordan. In Spice Rack's defense, sure. he is standing on the table for Dwayne Haskins. Not that he's the only person in the world that's uh, doing that right now, but it is. Is convinced Haskins is going to be like the next or one of the next great. Uh, well, well, instead of wasting your time with Mr. Jordan, uh, I, I would watch some <laughs> Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. Um, this is a super fun player. Like you look at you know big wide receivers, six foot five, two hundred twenty plus pounds, and like naturally they think you think that you can do like Alshon Jeffrey type stuff, right? Just or at least Jonathan Baldwin catches, right? Um, but what Hakeem Butler does, he shows you elements of the small game as well mm. um like you turn on that iowa game and in like a fourth down scenario he want, he runs a whip route along the sideline and creates instant separation like getting low in his breaks creating that space and that's just not something you see out of receivers mm. uh out of his size we're gonna have a whole discussion about him and drops but like that's an overrated discussion as well um but yeah definitely go and watch your team butler you'll like what you see i'm well i'm sorry josh uh for you know throwing you that stanley morgan curveball here but otherwise, I think you knocked it out of the park. I think if people did happen to just like miss the previous four days and 32 hours of coverage we had on NFL Network, I think the last 15 minutes probably made it up for you. I mean, I think we covered well, everything. We covered it. We have every well, Greg, bit of it. If, I, if I can just plug my own podcast here. I already did, Josh. Podcast. Don't you worry well, about it. Well, I'll, I'll have a, fuel, a full uh, combine recap on there if you want to, you know, if we missed on anything of the last 15 minutes, which, you know, might not have happened. No. You're grinding six days in a row with a podcast. No, I, I don't no. let anyone here know about that. No, I'm, that's why I wanted you on. Josh does an awesome job uh, with um, <laughs> with the really kind of cavalcade of stars that you have run through that show. Josh is smart. He's kind of the main one, and then the rest just rotate. So everyone knows who's the most important. So he's the son, and they're the planet. Right, and so different guys come on different days and and all that, and it it is really good. Um, Roto World football podcast, you know, they started it um, too late, but they've made up for for lost ground. I know you were pushing for it for years before they let you start it. That's the only reason why I'm I'm saying Well, Greg, there's no money in podcasting. Right. Right. Except for us. We're just drowning in it. Yeah. Drowning in it. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. All right. See you, guys. See ya. So uh, that was Josh Norris. And, and before we go, we do have one last item of uh, breaking news. We got three items of breaking news. All right. Let's let Wes For heaven's sakes. Well, first of all. <laughs> this better be real. The Falcons announced that they are franchise tagging Grady, Grady Jarrett, their defensive tackle. Yep. Adam Schefter has been told 
that C.J. Mosley will not be franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. And Rap Sheet is reporting that Landon Collins is not expected to draw the franchise tag from the Giants. Wow. I, uh... Yeah, we, st- we forecast that before anyone, the Landon Collins news. Let me change Wes the word. Wes has got another one. Rap Sheet, the wording is the Giants are, quote, viewed as unlikely. Okay. Well, we got 24 hours. Tag. So at this point, he's he's probably not getting the tag. He's going to get very close to the top of our rankings. Grady Jarrett, that's no surprise. He was ranked our he was our number 3 player overall. So that is no surprise. I mean, you do this top 100 list and it's a wonderful thing, but then it's like immediately burned to a crisp Absolutely. where like the only name value products on the entire thing are held by their own teams. No, I mean yeah, you know, you know, most of them are going to go, but we're going to have Le'Veon Bell. You're right. The top is now going to be Le'Veon Bell, Earl Thomas, Trey Flowers, Foles, Landon, Coll- Landon Collins. I mean, that, that we've had much worse years at the top. I'll, I'll put it that way. Well, we had a year where it was like Malik Jackson and then like, you know, Kalechi Osemele or something. It's one could pretty, make the point bad. that our timing of the release and updates is suspect. That maybe we should wait until after the franchise tags are in before we do this project. No, people want to know. They want to start thinking. You know, it's all about the uh, page views. You know, they're getting more. Uh, well, I, I mean, right? <laughs> You're one saying can, for the one user can experience. Make the point that with, absent the page views, yeah, like the <laughs> top ten guys on your list every year are generally the top two guys. On right. Your list. Well, it's a good discussion to have. And CJ, Mo- I'd, I'd reboot the entire project and give it to two other people. <laughs> Mark Mosley. <laughs> Mosley's interesting. He's the one that. Uh, I think they really want to keep him, and it's a rare case. I think they, if I had to guess, I bet they still will find a way to keep him, even though they're not going to tag him. They just don't want to start the discussions at $15 million a year. Right, and I don't blame them for no. an inside linebacker. Maybe the Browns will steal him. I don't know why. That just feels There's like something. Yeah, no, some that cash. just, that just feels cash. like a, a guy who's just going to like come in and improve the culture and make your opponent. I mean, he ended worse. their season with an interception, so. Mm. It all, help them out a it all comes back around. All right. On Wednesday, we will be back. We have a Twitter show early this week. I believe it's airing early unless unless we're pre-taping it. It is airing at 1030 Pacific, 130 Eastern time. And then we are taping the podcast after that. We will also be back with a podcast Friday morning. Dan will be back on Wednesday for uh, Mark Sessler, The Quiet Storm. Chris Wesseling. Mailman, that's it. Kent Brown, (laughs) Josh Norris, Evan Silva, everyone. We'll see you Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.